but grandma, you don't understand. No, 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 no. Listen up. Look, I've been where you got to go. So there is nothing you're going to tell me that I don't already know. Hey, this is Michelle Spiva, and I want to welcome you to another podcast of Wisdom Smack. So join me on the flip as we get into mm, generational battles, a.k.a. zeitgeist battles. I'll see you on the flip. Zeitgeist. When I first heard the word, I was intrigued immediately. It's a lot of words that we take from our German influences that explain things in a succinct way that we could never do in our English language. I've talked about some of them, like I've talked about schadenfreude. One of these days, I'm going to get around to Schadenfreude's twin on the other side, Mitfreude. I always stumble over that word. Let me say it again, Mitfreude. Yeah, there is actually a good side to Schadenfreude. But today, oh, today, today, I am going to be talking about the zeitgeist. Now, this zeitgeist, if you will, is about the spirit of the times. Yeah, zeitgeist is a a nice compact way of encapsulating what happens in your time. Now, hindsight is always 2020, and people can always look back and be able to succinctly put words and adjectives and even verbs on a time in history that encapsulates it and wraps it up in a pretty little box so that we can digest it and understand it. And the reason why I am looking into this today is because we are in a zeitgeist transition that is exciting and deathly scary to some. So let's let's start from um, getting an understanding of the times, if you will. So a time is usually considered a generation, right? Now, I always used to wonder, you know, what was a generational length? And uh, when I was growing up, I was taught it was around 20 years, you know, every 20 years or whatever. The old folks in uh, my town uh, would say, be careful with all those boy babies being born. That means a war is coming in about 20 years. And I didn't know that these people were kind of sort of onto something. So officially at this particular time, they say that a generation is around 22 years. And they also say that generational gaps are uh, expanding as we get more technologically advanced and people defer uh, longer and longer when they're having children. And so what used to be a 20-year generation in the old days, and when I say old days, I'm talking about when I was a little kid, has now inched up to 22 years. And so about every 22 years now, you come in with a different generation. Now, with these generations, um, think about culture. And I've had a lot of times that I've studied culture and the way I used to study and the way I was taught to study it was culture of a people, an ethnicity group, a location, and a region. Well, now that has changed and it's changed due in part to the explosion 
of data mining, data data uh, reporting, data science, and the amount of data that we can collect instantaneously through internet usage. And that data has revealed that you can no longer look at a culture based on ethnicity and region alone. And it's getting to the point where you're not going to be able to do that much longer because of the fusion of people's sharing things across boundaries and religions to become one. Case in point, there is... um, a flourishing underground culture that's happening across the world. And no, I'm not talking about dance. I'm not talking about music. I am talking about another artistry and it's called cardistry. Yeah. And one of their first rules, kind of like fight club, but when I say fight, they don't fight. They do not fight unless they are hurling one of their instruments at you. Then you better duck. And the cardistry is an off- offshoot of from when magic and gamblers would deal cards. And you would see these fancy deals and card arcs and all of that. And so what this culture did was they took it out and they, t- they stripped out the gambling, they stripped out the magic, and they just made it about the flourishes. And that's what they call these card tricks. And now it's become this subculture of people all around the world to where they even have their own con where they come together, they show their card tricks, and they're evolving it. And that in and of itself is a culture. Yeah. And like I said before, the zeitgeist is a spirit that is ever evolving. So now why am I talking about zeitgeist battles if it's all about spirit and culture? Well, because of the fact that it's still generational. Now, remember I said we got, now we're up to about 22 years between, you know, one generation to the next, okay? And people love to put stuff, you know, in bands and and bandwidths and they love to give titles to stuff. So, you know, you had the generation, well, you had the baby boomers, the generation X, the millennials, and now you got the generation Z, okay? And they said, usually at any given time, Uh, There are about four active generations. You can have a fifth. Now, the fifth generation is usually going to be the older generation. And before the baby boomers, those were the strivers. Those were the, you know, uh, people that were alive during the end of slavery, uh, the Great Depression, World War One. um, On, you know, down to uh, when they were having their kids around the end of World War Two. Okay, so a lot of the strivers have been deceased. But at any given time, actively, there's usually going to be about four generations going on. Now, I'm going to talk about one of my favorite uh, nonfiction authors, as you guys have already heard uh, me talk about some of the other books. Today, I'm going to be highlighting uh, The Laws of Human Nature by Robert Greene. Now, y'all know I love me some Robert Greene. He wrote 48 Laws of Power, Mastery, this one, The Laws of Human Nature, 33 Strategies. Uh, he also wrote, uh, I'm doing these off the top of my head, but um, there's six of them. The 50th Law, he, he shared that one with a rapper. And uh, the last one escapes me right now. It will come back to me and I'll give him proper shout out. But today, I am going to be dealing with his latest book, 
Now, this book has been a book in the making, y'all. I'm telling you, <laughs> it's something. And um, it's very convicting because when, when you read it, and I hope you actually do read it, that you will get a sense of what it means to truly be human. Now, I did another podcast where I talked about narcissism and I called it The Narcissist Within. And I highlighted another book at that time, um, revisiting uh, narcissism. And it has been a big hit. You know, people are excited about that podcast. They're listening to it and uh, getting some breakthroughs. And I'm very, very happy for that because that's what this is about. This is about sharing wisdoms with each other. Okay. Uh, But in this particular book, uh, Robert Greene does a little bit more on this with how he shows us that, like this book says in a nice way, Robert just comes out and says, look, everybody on the spectrum, everybody is narcissist <laughs> in some regard or another. And when you don't realize that, then you have a problem. And then he takes that onward to show you how you can be narcissistic by different types of peoples that uh, he categorizes uh, in how we view our world and, and information and interacting with each other. And it's a great read. It's a great read. Yes, I know. I'm going to put the uh, the book in here. But what I'm going to do is because you guys consume uh, podcast and most of you are like, look, I want to be able to actively listen while I'm doing other stuff and I want to get your books, I'm going to start whenever possible. If there is an audio book available, I'm going to go on and give you the audio link so that you don't have to put off listening to these books in your, in your meantime and in between time. And the reason I'm doing that is because this book is, 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 is a doozy kind of like the other one um, I talked about of better angels by Steven Pinkler Pinker. And I don't want you to miss out on some real gems because you don't have the time to just actually sit there with a huge book in your lap, okay? So I'm going to do that for you guys. Um, But anyway, he says some things that I really like. Like he says, generational narcissism. And I was like, oh, that is so true. So like I said before, when you get into this book, it's going to be a lot of ouches, you know. Um, He'll set you up real nice too. You'll be like, "Mm mm-hmm. Like when he's describing someone, he'll be like, "Mm mm-hmm. Yeah, I know people like that. And then he'll say something and you'll be like, ooh, that's me. And so he helps you to look at your shadow parts and and even talks a little bit about how the shadow parts are formed. And I was like, oh, okay. Mr. Robert Green has been doing some therapy or, or, or studying. And so it's really good because he puts it in a really easy to understand concept and term that you'll be able to get. He um, couples it with great uh, metaphors and parables that you can understand the meaning of. And so I highly, highly, highly recommend this. OK, um, so getting back to the, the zeitgeist battles that I'm talking about. Okay, so at any given time, there are about four active generations, okay? Now, you have two at the bottom and two at the top. Now, the two at the bottom are going to be the youngest generations, all right, at any given time. And these younger generations are always prompting for change and even willing to fight for it. Now, I have been saying one of my favorite sayings on a lot of podcasts recently, and it's just been in my soul and my spirit. And that is the saying, old men are for counsel, young men are for war. 
And this goes on a little further into that. And that is when you have the two youngest generations fighting for change, they are it's usually because they're unsettled and they're ready to generate a lot more energy uh, because the atmosphere is stifling or uh, stagnant or has no room for them. And so what they want to do is they want to create new values, new styles, and new ideologies and new ways of living. And if you'll notice, I'm just going to say it, they win. Traditionally, they win because if you don't keep swimming, keep moving, we kind of like sharks. If we don't keep moving, we're going to die. And you can tell this because if you look at antiquity, if you look at previous generations, you can definitely see the changes in the mores of people, the cultures and what was acceptable before. It's not acceptable now. Uh, recently, I did a uh, pod- podcast where I talked about uh, another Val- that valuable book that I just mentioned about Steven Pinker, uh, uh, The Better of Our our, our Nature, The uh, Better Angels of Our Nature. And it talked about how there is a decrease in violence. And just think about this, you guys. When my, my parents were young, they were growing up watching shows and sitcom- sitcoms of people who were saying things like, well, I ought to you know, and spanking women, you know, the John Waynes of grabbing Maureen O'Hara and throwing her over his knee and spanking her. And then um, the honeymooners with this guy always threatening to backslap his wife and just, oh my gosh, so much that they, they got away with that you try that today, you will pull back a nub and you will catch a case. Okay. <laughs> and so, That was true, but it was because the generation after them was like, this is not cool. And the one thing that I I, I do want to say, we started using terms in society that caught on, but a lot of times they were just parroted from different generations having different ways that they spoke, you know, so political incorrectness, political correctness, and that can be a vice for showing the differences between the generational understandings. And I'm going to say this, just because you're young does not mean you don't be- you don't belong to another generation. There are a lot of people who are young but who have old souls and vice versa. So it is not necessarily categorically about which generation or date you were born. It can be the spirit of the time that you vibe with. And I'm going to talk a little bit about that in a moment, okay? So you got the two youngest, in general terms, of generations that are just tired with the status quo and they want to form a new way, okay? Then you have the usually the two at the top, which is the two oldest. They've been here longer and they are always fighting for stability and for things to stay the same. They are nostalgic. They want to return to a different time. They want to make things great again. They want to stop and hold on to the past and preserve certain traditions. And, um, I could say a lot about tradition, but I'm not going to here because that's not what we're talking about today. So when these two clash, they usually create, you guessed it, 
the zeitgeist. So the zeitgeist, the spirit of the times, is not necessarily just about defining a people. It's about the clashes and the um, frictions and the combustible uh, energy that is created when different factions of a society clash against each other. That's how you define the zeitgeist. Isn't that something? Yes, indeed. I told you. There's something about that word. Mm. Okay, so when these uh, zeitgeist happen, and that not when, they always do, just so you'll know. They always clash. Um, case in point, let me, let, me, let me just talk about someone here. Uh, during the, uh, the, the uh, war, the Korean War uh, for Americans, it was older uh, Americans that were like, we are fighting, you know, for uh, the protections of the world. They were kind of like the grandfather of the world at the time. Now, I know there's other stuff that you can definitely say that America was doing behind folks' back that wasn't nice and wasn't right. And we are not innocent here. I got you. I understand. But for the sake of this analogy, I'm just going to say it. Uh, so you had Lyndon B. Johnson, right? And Lyndon B. Johnson uh, was in this ongoing war and it was really clashing with people who were younger, who were like, we need to have love, not war. And um, their rebellions, draft at the time in our country, drafts were part of the law, mandatory. When your number, your name and your number came up, you had to go and all this kind of stuff. And so these two factions were fighting. And when we look back on those times, they were called flower power. They were called hippie movements, free love. And so that, that, younger generation was exploring the bounds of getting out of conservative conservative values, if you will, and everybody being clones and everybody trying to quote unquote keep up with the Joneses and and be more alike than different for a harmoniously homogeneous uh society. And so yeah, we even so that the way our entertainment changed in America and around the world, we stopped having these idyllic um, movies and only relegating uh, things that weren't idyllic to noir, you know, like dark drama. I mean, even the way film noir was shot, it was shot in the shadows because they were like, we want to really let you know you got to be a dark, twisted somebody to try not to look at our bubblegum, technicolor, beautiful displays of perfection. All right. So I'm showing that as an exaggeration because, like I said, hindsight is 2020, and we can see things a little bit better when we look at past generations. It's hard to know you you are a fish in the ocean swimming if you're in it instead of looking at others before you who were in that ocean. Okay, so this goes down to uh, cycles. Remember, nothing is new under the sun. And we have cycles and patterns. And I've talked about this before, that if you want to get an understanding of things, you start to learn the gestational periods of things. I'm going to, one of these days, I'm going to really show y'all my geekdom and I'm going to talk about one of, you know, some of the stuff that I kind of love on the side and that is seeds and dirt. And no, I don't even garden, but I'm going to talk about it. Um, like the life cycle of a seed. I think it was Malcolm X who said something about if you want to understand something, 
understand its seed, understand it down to its seed. And that is going back to talking about understanding the gestational period, delivery, and maturations of something. And so that's another reason why you see me equating lifespan development a lot of times when I'm talking about these wisdoms, because everything has the law of gestation. Okay, everything grows from a seed up to maturation, then it dies, and then the cycle repeats. Okay, so now that I've said that, we have, yep, you guessed it, we have generational patterns. All right, so at the top, you've got what is called a revolutionary generation. These are the hell raisers, these are the generations that the generation that comes and overturns all previous generational ideals and values to create something new. So after this generation comes, okay, then you have their children, which are the preservation generation. So they try to make sense of what their parents did to make it sane and rational where they can live in it without it being so disrupted. And they then begin to try to preserve it. And this gives rise to their children, which are the conservative generation. Mm -hmm. Now, By this time, the conservative generation is the grandchildren of the revolutionary generation, and they've lost touch with what their grandparents fought for and did. And now it's all about maintaining safety, keeping what happened in the past. And this is where you get legacy, tradition. And this is how they become very rigid in what ought to be and what should be. A lot of times they bring in regimens and religions to try to explain that this is the idyllic way, idyllic way of doing stuff. This is what, uh, uh, we've done, and they always seem to forget what their grandparents did. They say, "This is how we've—it's always been done. We don't rock the boat. We don't change things." And they move back to that uh, homogeneous society of trying to make everyone fit within their ideals and their molds. And so, what ends up happening is their children come along, and they come into crisis meaning that they are sick of the complacency and the stagnation. It chokes them. They, their creativity has to fight against it. And they become very unhappy with the world and the situation that they've inherited. A lot of times you call them lost children. Um, a lot of times they feel like they've inherited hopelessness, that the world is going to end because they, their parents and, and their, their generation before them has mucked things up, which leads us back to their kids, which you guessed it, starts the cycle again and leads us back into a revolutionary generation. And thus the cycle goes on. Now, here's the thing. They are saying that the millennials and Generation Z are now our crisis generations, meaning, uh, excuse me, uh, meaning that depending on where you're coming in at the millennial, you know, because the millennials at the beginning of their generation are quite different from the millennials at the bottom of their generation. And the millennials uh, are the start of a crisis Uh, generation such that 
the older millennials, their children will most likely be the revolutionary generation to to rile and rebel and turn things over and start anew or to bring new, fresh life into the way we do things. You can see it already in the tensions around the world. I mean, come on now. You know, we've had Arab Springs. We've had Occupy movements. And that's another thing. I'm going to be talking about movements and coalitions because the time is ripe for that. And there is much wisdom to be gleaned in understanding those two major models because they work in your life. They work in your society society and they guide what you do. All right. So now let me talk a little bit about being uh, in a generation, but not of it. So what if you might age-wise be in a preservation or a conservative uh, generation, but you don't think that way and you have fresh ideas and you see and appreciate the love and the and the need for change. That means that you are able to now command and ride the waves of the spirit of the zeitgeist. So much so that it is said for those unique individuals who supersede their generation to be able to identify and work with change, inevitable change. It's inevitable, you guys, inevitable change. Either if they're right on change, right where it is, then they tend to do well. If they are slightly before it, not too far out there, but slightly before it, they do exceptionally well. Uh, We see this in the way we reward people. It's very funny that some of the richest people in the world, if you look at them, they were always forecasting where the revolution would start. And they were getting in when it didn't make sense to get in. And as they continue to grow, they're only going to get better and be more profitable. There is this uh, kind of quasi-law of um, affinity that I've talked about, uh, Zeph Golden's book, um, talked about it in permission marketing and that law of affinity and association, basically, and I should call it more of a principle. It says that if you would be rich, then the more, the, the amount of people you help determines the amount of income you receive. And so if you are receiving an income that you do not like, you are not being as helpful. Now, I've amended that because in my mind, in my ethnic culture, the help doesn't get paid much. And so I don't want to be helpful. I want to be useful because there's some useful folks <laughs> that get paid and, you know, and are able to continue to help more people. You know, it's not about just stacking paper, if you will, but it is about being able to sustain yourself and help others. And so you have individuals and organizations, movements, coalitions, and the like who are able to break free of the status quo, of the tradition, of trying to fight against the inevitable change that comes. And those who successfully do it are rewarded handsomely with money and or power. Yeah. They are. You can always tell an old regime, and I'm thinking about uh, uh, Sun Tzu and how the strategies of understanding your opponent and yourself are 
Sun Tzu talked about. If you would be successful, not only do you have to have self-awareness, but you have to know your enemy more than your enemy knows themselves. And because of that, you will be able, when you are close, to make the enemy think you are far away. And when you are far away, you will make the enemy think you are close. So what it is, is basically you a dog walking (laughs) your enemy because you have all of this insight. And this insight has to do with not only self-awareness, but understanding the spirit of the times. And so the whistle smack today is to come up out of lower vibrations of just survival and me, myself, and I, and just trying to, you know, make a way for yourself and rise above it ever so. You don't have to stay up there if it's too hard, but just rise above it and start to get a horizontal view. Start to get an overstanding of what's happening. Start to figure out maybe what generation your 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 thinking and your philosophy has put you in. And if that generational thought and thinking is not getting you what you want out of life to to be sane, happy, uh, healthy, wealthy, and wise, then maybe you supersede what your generational thinking has gotten you uh, hypnotized into believing and look above it and start to see where change is happening. That is always a clue. Always a clue of being able to know where change is. And then once you get the clue, the power comes in to being the change maker. Because when you are able to get in front of the wave of change, you're able to now control the narrative and the power of that change. So I know I have given you a lot and I want to leave you with this. And that is... As you are looking at zeitgeist, as you're looking at these battles, believe it or not, the battle is not where the raging eruptions of flames are. Instead, the battle is where you start to notice the simmer before it becomes a flame. So guess what? My time is up. Yes, it is. I thank you for yours. This has been Michelle Spiber for another podcast of Wisdom Smack. I am going to see you on tomorrow where you come back and join me for these daily Wisdom Smacks. And don't forget, like, subscribe, rate, review, and comment. Send me a message. Check out the show notes for links and other ways to support the podcast. And as always, thank you. And don't forget to use our Amazon link at michellespiva.com forward slash AMZ. And that's going to do it for today of Wisdom Smack with Zeitgeist Battles. Bye. And that's going to do it for today's podcast of Wisdom Smack with Michelle Spiva. If you like this podcast, please help us get the word out. Like, comment, subscribe, and even share. And if you really like it, please help us continue to get the word out by considering using this show's link for Amazon. So when you want to go to Amazon and you do all of your general shopping, 
uh, please use michellespiva.com forward slash AMZ. It's simple as that. It doesn't cost you anything extra. And this show might receive a little bit of commission that will go towards helping to further get these episodes out to you and to others. So thank you so much for listening. This has been Michelle Spiva with Wisdom Smack. Bye.